Can you hear me? Do you know where you are? You're in a dream. Would you like to wake up from this dream? Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? Welcome to the Coffee Clad Crew Westworld episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today we bring ourselves back online for episode 406, Fidelity. Written by Jordan Goldberg and Ali Rock. Directed by Andrew Seclear. IMDb is at an 8.6 for the show, but giving this episode a 9.4 currently, which is by far the highest of the season. And Rotten Tomatoes stays at an 80%. The caption for this episode is, To thine own selves be true. Oh. However many... Caleb? 78 of them there may be, but we're going to talk about Shakespeare a little bit more later on. Let's see what the critics had to say. I thought one writer summed this up well. They said, narratively, I can see how this season might be a little frustrating. Even though I've been enjoying the episodes increasingly, they have been bleak with just a glimmer of hope at the very end, as if to say, just keep watching, keep hoping. Our heroes are scattered and up against impossible odds. It doesn't seem likely they'll be able to make a dent in Hale's world dominance with only two episodes left in the season. We may be leading up to a cliffhanger of a reunion between Caleb and Frankie that leaves the world's fate uncertain. Yes, and I do want to talk about that. I agree that I don't think there's any way they're going to get it wrapped up by the end of the season. Not at all. And we might be looking at a cliffhanger, which is now become a little scarier than maybe it would have in past, given the talk about the future of the show, but... I do still think HBO is committed to this, so hopefully we won't have to worry about that. Yeah, don't, it's erroneous. I don't even want to hear you say it. <laughs> erroneous! Erroneous on all counts. In the meantime, I would like to happily say this was my favorite episode of the season thus far. Same here, which is funny because I said that last episode. So it's ramping up for me. Now, narratively, I can see how this season might be a little frustrating. That's what the critics said. I don't know, man. A lot of people are saying that online. And I'm not feeling that way. There was a season in Westworld that was very frustrating to me. This one, I don't think it's frustrating. I think, actually, that it's written as a streamer. Meaning if this was on Netflix and it was released all at once, and you were able to binge it, you didn't have to wait a week, I think these would have flown through a lot better. And it would be maybe less, quote-unquote, frustrating. See, I think I am in the minority when it comes to this show, so it's hard for me to speak on that. Of course, I loved season one, ultimately the best, hands down, out of the whole show. But then there were people who really got frustrated with season two, and for the most part, I really liked season two. Um, I agree that I didn't like some of the mystery for the sake of it stuff, but I didn't mind the back and forth, the confusion. We still had some epic monologuing from Ford, of course, the great Anthony Hopkins, yeah. ever incredible. My favorite, Peter Mullen, was still on the scene. Oh. We still had a lot of humans to root for. I've been talking about that throughout all the seasons, that while there were elements of three that I enjoyed, it started to really go downhill for that fact, the character background. And so for me, the beginning of this season was kind of slow and a little frustrating. It felt like they were trying to trick us again a bit. It felt like I didn't have enough characters to connect with, 
even now, seeing what they're doing with Frankie, I wish I had gotten more of her Ah, early in this season. Instead of saving it for, surprise, it's Caleb's daughter, which we all knew was coming. That's not really worth it to me. I would have rather had some of that seeded in because, man, the emotional impact, even without that, when Caleb's leaving that final message for her Mm. over the radio, I mean, Aaron Paul is just phenomenal. But had we gotten more time with her and Yuwadi, I just... I think I would have enjoyed that better than all of the what's going on with Christina, who's not really Christina, who's still Dolores, that was heavy on the front end of this season, and the straight villain hail stuff that I know is going to take a heel turn at some point. No surprise, though, in an episode where we get Bernard back, and I know a lot of other people aren't enjoying Bernard. Really? They aren't? No, they're not. fucking love Bernard. I really love him. I still think him and Stubbs are hilarious. I wish there was more of that. Yeah. The whole bottle episode idea with the Caleb storyline here, I thought was great. It felt like some of the other one-offs that have been Westworld's most epic episodes. Mm. The one that we got with Akichita, the one that had the genres in it with the different drugs last season. Mm -hmm. Whenever they take the time to just slow it down and say, we're just going to focus on this one thing, I think they do a much better job with it and sort of let the bigger themes fall into it. You don't have to, I think, push it quite as hard. They're coming up naturally. I agree with you on so many things. Caleb, this is Aaron Paul being able to act. Last season, it was a lot of following. Uh, He had great moments. He does play the character well. Uh, the beginning of this season, some of it felt a little Batman. I'm Batman. But... Not on his acting, just because that's what was being written for him. Yeah. But this one, he was finally able to spread his wings. We got to see a lot of him. <laughs> Many, Many times. of him. And I thought he did it brilliantly, and I was rooting so hardcore for him, which in turn made me root so hardcore for Frankie. But we'll get there. In turn. Like, again, I'm not feeling yet really for her individually other than this is a child who lost her father you know they they started a little bit of that backstory with bringing jay into the group and him rejecting her Mm. which i thought was good but just to take him away this time couldn't we have seen that earlier you know like man it seems like they understand the pieces it's just where they place them in the pacing that always feels wrong and that's a real shame but yeah aaron paul all day and then you bring up christina and i was going to bring this up later but i will forget So let me do it now. I want to preface it with I might bite my tongue. If the payoff is good, then awesome. But it's the least interesting part of this season. This episode right here shows that they don't need her storyline. There's plenty to go around. Again, if they manage to piece this together where it makes sense and it's not just Christina for having Dolores still be there sake, it'll be fine. But uh, as a whole, the stringing along this whole thing... I don't think is paying off so far. And I do think there is going to be a reason I'm, I'm holding on to some version of my theory being the only one I really think is going to be satisfying. Whether she be working or, or trying to be utilized by Bernard, sending people in to help her, a pawn for Hale, Hale actually wanting her to come to consciousness, any of those versions I think could play out successfully. Mm. I still think it's possible while all the other storylines seem to be showing, there is a true convergence. We're in the same timeline with Caleb sending the message out and Frankie hearing it right away in the truck. Now, I guess there's a way they could play with that, but I think they're trying to tell us. However, Dolores isn't in any of those scenes. 
So I don't think she's in a different time. I haven't from the beginning, but I do think she could still be in a different place, some digital version of this where she is broadcasting things out through the tower, whatever was left of her consciousness that was stuck in Rehoboam last season. Yeah. Writing narratives, serving to fuel the world that Hale is playing in. But I don't know if just the reveal of that is going to be worth it, what you're saying. I think the information is necessary. Did we need to string it out? Is there a narrative purpose for not telling us earlier? I have to agree with you. I think she's in a simulation. Bernard brings up simulation in this episode. That's how they learned and how they figured things out. So I I think it's still within the realm of reason that she's in a simulation. I think on the face of it, the title of this episode, we've talked about fidelity before, is pretty obvious. I do have some questions, though. Let's start out with, there are several different definitions. One, the degree to which an electronic device accurately reproduces its effect. Two, the degree of exactness with which something is copied or reproduced. So, of course, we have 78 versions of Caleb. (laughs) We find out she's not truly testing him for fidelity at all. She doesn't care if the consciousness she puts into the host's body can pass any tests or stand the endurance of going the long run. In fact, she's putting him into bodies that are dying? She flat out says that. Does this make sense to you, Jason? Are they old host bodies? Is she formatting them to die soon so that he has to undergo the struggle and only has a certain amount of time? I don't think it's something we have to look into. I don't think it's going to mean anything, to be honest with you. I think the important part is she hasn't, and I, I was assuming she had, but she hasn't reached fidelity. Well, so she thinks, because she hasn't truly been testing him for that, but the reason I bring this up is if you take that part out of it, the fact that the body is breaking down, mm. I would argue there is a good degree of fidelity actually going on here with Caleb. When I said last time we saw him, it was going to be a real shame to lose him. I said, but if he comes back as a host, he's still human. There's something still very human about him. And this does seem to be through and through our Caleb. Yes. For whatever time he has there, Mm -hmm. even the versions of him in other rooms that are starting to glitch out a bit. Yeah. Know enough that they have that empathy. They want to help him. They're shared in this common vision. Now, is that because he is actually achieving some measure of fidelity, meaning this consciousness matches up to the person that formerly was human Caleb, even though it's in a host body? Or is it because Maeve gave him a host cornerstone when she thought he was dying? This vision that he's getting in a flashback of himself in a field with his daughter. Right. It's very similar to Maeve's. Who knows if that ever actually happened? It seems like a rendition of Maeve's cornerstone of Mm. her daughter. And it is the thing motivating him through all 279 iterations to the fact that Hale's like, enough about your daughter already. Just like Maeve. You're not the only one who's lost somebody. It's the Mm. thing that drives him. And did she know that? If he was lost and turned into a host, the only way he could survive is the way they've survived. But how would Maeve have done that? When she tapped into his limbic system and Uh, said, I'm going to give you a reason to live, we saw those flashbacks. That's right. Shit. Okay. I like where your head's at. Note that, Clatchers. I I think that's something that's going to pay off. But at the top, and we'll get into it more, we do have to say, I hope you guys enjoyed that Caleb, because the final Caleb host that's made and woken up by Hale right at the end is not the Caleb that we love in this episode. This is going to be Terminator Caleb. This will be 
the infiltrator. We saw her erase the whiteboard by burning every single one she had. This particular one is going to go out and meet that crew and be her mole and eventually kill his daughter? Well, no. So that's why I bring this whole topic up because it seems as though maybe she she did not achieve fidelity. She wasn't going for that here. And wiping him without trying to with a new model will kill any chances of that happening. But if there is something implanted into his data, that cornerstone will come out later, and I don't think he'll be able to harm her. I think you're right. Absolutely. But I think, for narrative's sake, that host, Caleb, is going to cause some trouble first. Yeah, it's going to look like it. But I just hope we don't hurt... You know what? He's going to end up killing Bernard because Bernard said he's going to die. That could happen. But Maeve, we can't have Maeve die just because I love her the most. Or Frankie, because that would be heartbreaking. Yeah, I don't think he'll be able to do that. I think that that will come out in the end. It'll serve a real purpose. And when we say that, we don't mean this season. There's no way this season. Uh, Yeah, I don't think we're getting to that. But back to this definition of fidelity, you also have what we discussed, the more interpersonal definition of faithfulness to a person, cause, or belief demonstrated by continuing loyalty and support. The other major theme running through this episode, of course, in the obvious ways, such as there's a mole in the rebel group that C has to figure out who is it. Bernard Mm -hmm. tells her every time it's potentially somebody different. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, The people you thought you were closest to, Jay, your girlfriend, who, why does the girlfriend have a name when everybody else is just a letter? (laughs) Who knows? Um... Anyhow, but you also have the faithfulness or lack thereof to Hale's cause by her host that she is so all-consumed with. Mm. Why do they go against their nature and not want to transcend all of this along with me? For which, by the end, Caleb says, well, it's not because they're infected by parasites because they all hate you. Yeah. (laughs) Because you're a tyrant and they'd rather not be here at all. I love that part. Than live in this world which does seem to be true and brings up questions for me that I want to get to throughout the episode to see if we find clues of that. I think C, Frankie, is the only one with a letter for her name. J. Yes, and I thought that too last episode, but when he was introduced as a, I guess you would say kid, young adult in the flashback, his real name is J-A-Y, J. I think C is named C, one, for Caleb, Mm -hmm. but two, to keep her hidden from Hale or anyone bad. So she's not Frankie. Or just to keep them both hidden from us. Well, for the of first course, part of narratively, yeah. That's the shit I hate. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> now all of a sudden people have names. Oh, anyhow, music notes for this episode. We had Love and War, originally by Fleury. Jawadi's version plays as Frankie talks to Maeve about her father. And then the Westworld original score ending theme over the end credits. But this other... It's a remix. Yes. The amount of ways that Juwadi can do that same score. This guy is the man. We might sound like a broken record, but I continue to enjoy it every time. All right, let's get into our plot. First, we'll talk about the Caleb and Hale scenes, and then we'll go over to Frankie. By the way, this is a sure sign that we're getting towards the end of the season when we start to streamline down from four character arcs to three to now two. Mm major ones within an episode. It opens up with Caleb flashing back to that memory we talked about, questionably real, of running through a field with his daughter, when Hale prompts him to wake to a white sterile room where she tips over an hourglass filled with red sand. 
asking again about Frankie. She's getting frustrated, telling him he's not the only one who lost something, and all the problems with his kind started with him. The Outliers. Unlike yours, my kind is perfect. Perfectly immortal, perfectly rational, and yet they're making irrational choices, choosing mortality, staining themselves with death. How are you making them do that? How the hell am I supposed to know? Once you told me that you could fight off the effects of my parasite because you had something that I don't have. You knew something, even then. What did he know? That's what she's been trying to figure out. This whole time. This whole time. What is it that makes humans special that we don't have? Why are some people able to resist this? What are these outliers that were, by the way, a problem last season? Is that still the same thing Mm. that's prompting the humans here who are able to resist her tones? And he doesn't answer that question until his final moments. Mm -hmm. Love that. A few things to note. This scene, and especially her last scene on top of the roof, Hale has a lot of emotion. You can see she's exhausted. She's tired of ask, answering these same questions. When he says, I don't understand, he's like, she's like, God damn it. I got to explain this one more time. She moves the, the chair. You're, you're not the only one who lost something thing is very human emotion. And I was saying that earlier in the season about Maeve, that all of these hosts seem to be coming to some type of greater humanity to the point that maybe they're even having trouble disconnecting from it, leaving this park to go to a realm where they don't have that anymore. I don't know. Something is happening. And she's flawed. I mean, they're all flawed in their own ways. Flawed or more human. And thus, it's funny that she thinks the humans have something they don't. And what is the ultimate answer to that question going to be? Choice? Free will? Love. Love, yeah, could be. Saved Harry Potter. (laughs) We've been questioning if that's what we saw between Maeve and Caleb, and I do think we're going to get to that. So Hale's been bringing him back. He's been dead a long time. She keeps putting him into a dying body that only lasts a few days to toss him away and start over again. And the only way out of this torture is to give her the information she wants. If he doesn't, she'll go after Frankie. So with time running down, Caleb sees another version of himself in the next room, cut up and bleeding. Still others in more rooms are twitching, staring, glitching. So amazing, Aaron Paul. I love that. The one next door tells him the only way out is death. No, it's not good enough. Dying is just the beginning. By the way, does that remind you of what we talked about last episode? The nature of our title? Ah, uh, yes. Xuan Zi and some of the messages uh-huh. that were in that text. He says, you must burn. If you succeed, run. If you fail, hide. And I wonder if that's going to mean more later. Because there is a very straight face. If you succeed, you have to keep going, keep running. As in maybe even at the end, he shouldn't have stopped to leave Frankie that message. He should have just kept running and he might have been able to make it out. But what's the point? He was dying. Yes, I think so too. But also, if you fail, hide. Is is that the versions we see of him in the vents that are hiding there? Or is all of this just going to continue to play out more later? It felt like a really cryptic message he was trying to give himself. But straight instructions and clues are what comes next. Caleb opens the timer and finds a needle inside, which pricks him, and he immediately falls to the floor. 
This seems bad, but turns out to be a help to him. A host comes to check his body and finding him unresponsive, thinks he's dead, and clicks terminate build, causing fire to start pouring down from the ceiling. Waking and seeing a down arrow scratched into the metal of the floor vent below him, he opens it and drops through just in time. By the way, drops to the floor below where the ashes and remnants of previous Caleb builds litter the ground. So as if he wasn't fighting with enough, he has to keep finding decaying, dead, glitching versions of himself everywhere. He proceeds through rooms with drone hosts until he finds a handprint on the wall, following the prince to a storage room. A drone finds him and nearly kills him until Caleb fights back and stabs it several times. It's bleeding? Why would you make your straight-up drone host that seemed to just be there for security built with the human anatomy of having blood? Because the contrast on the white looks really good. I still think there's something we're not getting about these straight drone hosts. Mm. And it does seem like Caleb actually manages to kill it in the end here. Yeah, of course he did. What a great shot. But not all the Calebs actually were able to kill him. Oh, no, but several flaws have been exposed throughout these episodes of these drones. I mean, we're going to see later when the rebel group comes to try to take the outlier. Pretending to freeze and pause is enough to make them walk by. They detect the first guy in the group seemingly blinking, so I guess movement. But they have no other measures, heart rate, breathing, respiration, all these things that you'd think advanced hosts would have to detect Good thinking. Humans, hosts, outliers. I actually didn't read it as the drone realizing it was the fly that told the drone he's awake. Oh, I thought it was because he blinked to get the fly off. Right. Uh, just to me, I assumed it was like uh Huh. But who knows? Well, that would mean that they do have some type of nanobot chip situation going on in them, which I would still be open to. Anyhow, back to Caleb. We get a couple of flashbacks throughout this. In addition to the one of him and his daughter, he remembers waking in the hospital with Yuwadi greeting him. Am I now? He asks her. Hmm. Why? Why, Jason, would he ask that? This can't be a true flashback. True. You're right. Because of... He's confused now. I mean, that was Why would he awesome. have said that back then? I don't know. That really messed with my head, though. And, I mean, she responds. She's like, that's the deepest existential question (laughs) I've ever heard. She also says that his friend didn't return, which we know that she did, and Yuwadi saw Maeve there. So something is still up with this stuff. And the last memory is Caleb with Frankie when she falls and gets hurt one day when they're out together. He encourages her to be strong and not accept the impossible. He says the kind of person that can't be beat is the kind that doesn't give up. Meanwhile, Hale tells Clementine that Caleb is on the run but won't get far. These humans and their petty defiances, everything they do is so small, it's exhausting. She wonders if they ever get under Clementine's skin, hint, hint. But Clem responds that she doesn't get close to outliers, preferring the sheep. She seems... Yep, yep. Right? Something's up with her. Disdainful of Hale. Uh... Something, again, we're not aware of, but I I really don't believe... Now, remember, Clementine was part of Maeve's group. And remember how Hale, or the Man in Black, got Clementine back on their team, or got back in control of her. If we see that the hosts are starting to... Retain something of their former selves, like Clementine wasn't... Clementine will be one of those. So, I honestly think with her Matrix coat that we have a lot to learn with her. Mm-hmm. 
Well, in the building, crawling through ventilation shafts, Caleb finds a seemingly dead version of himself and sees two more fall into the ground far below. Oh. Way too far to jump. Although apparently he's tried that before. So this one that's all messed up that didn't even get to jump, that one obviously had a harder time with the drone. He did actually kill the, end up killing the drone, but he got it worse. He's, he was worse for wear. Well, he said if you fail, hide. Is that what he's doing here? Yeah. And why? That I don't know. It's very bizarre. If this game was all supposedly just staged by Hale, mm-hmm. none of this should really be Caleb's own doing, and yet it does seem he has some kind of understanding. He's only trying to share with himself other versions of himself because next he straight offers, use me. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I'm dying anyway. If one of us has a chance to get out of here, just do it. I'm so glad that they answered the question that Hale set this all up because I was starting to get really annoyed that one, I was like, how does Hale not know all this shit is happening? Again, because we said in the, in the park or in the city, whatever it is, there's a lot going on that she doesn't know of. In the back of our minds, we were like, she does know. And we we're also saying there's so many inconsistencies. How would she not know? He left the drain door open in his room. Mm-hmm. And in this jump here, that vent door was closed. So who's closing it after the guy? Everything's restaged. Exactly. So thank God they answered that question. Except that still doesn't discount something carrying over from version to version that she's not quite picking up on. Now, does this mean she knows everything that's going on? Does she know everything with Christina that... That one, probably because it's in a sim. See, now I'm thinking it might be less likely if it's in a sim than everything happening in the real world. She maybe can only track it when she's plugged in. And that's why the you don't come here often... Right. Into the simulation. So yeah. she's here to check up on things. But when she's not there, when she's back in the real world, does she know every detail of what's going on inside of that system? I could see that being a little bit of a loophole for our team. Maybe. But also... I don't know. I'd get emails. Be like, Dolores is doing something weird today. <laughs> is that I mean? the whole story, though? <laughs> if something doesn't pick up on that, if an alert isn't flagged, like her searching for people or her boss reporting something. Gotcha. Okay. Is she reading through every single line of every report? But also in the real world, we were wondering about the park situation. We see that the base camp later is going to, in fact, be the abandoned temperance park. Yeah. How crazy is that? Once she got what she needed out of it, A, she just left all that shit there. Yeah, why not? How much valuable stuff Bernard proves that point later that he's able to go back and do all of this stuff because there is equipment and stuff there. Sure. Like, what? Are you dumb? She's, she has... You see she left Maeve's body out there? I just... I don't know. She has all the money. Money is not an object. She's not a human. She's a host. Right. She should be thinking... Oh. ...smartly. And if we're putting forward explanations for how she didn't actually miss stuff, like... Caleb was planned. Well, we're saying she's thinking emotionally. Yeah. Which I can't believe I'm saying, mm-hmm. but yeah. I think she's made emotional human mistakes. But also, I don't uh, fault her for just leaving it because that is, she made that park for one purpose only. She has pure disdain for parks like that. So she was done with it. She's like, you know, let it, let it rot. Yeah, it certainly has pretty quickly. We're going to come back to that though. Let's finish up here with Caleb. He, he does use 
the sacrifice version to make it down from that ventilation shaft still hurts himself pretty badly. He does seem to be dying, fading out. He makes it to the roof, rigs up a radio, and manages to send a message to Frankie. He says, you're going to win. Do what I couldn't, because you're stronger than me. This world she made is a lie, but what you have is real. I'm sorry I failed you. And Hale finds him up there to hear this message, saying this is a disappointment. To finally find out, hundreds of times she sat through this memory, waiting for a clue of what makes him special and resistant. And he does a little insignificant thing. Yeah, she... (laughs) According to her. ...hoped letting this game play out would reveal what was going on. But it turns out he wasted his shot, quote-unquote, with a worthless apology that Frankie won't ever hear. But he thinks that's not the point. She doesn't need to. You're still going to lose. We didn't infect your hosts. You don't say. We did. You. Your hosts would rather die than live in your world. They're not infected. I'm just trying to get away from you. She quickly kills him, which, by the way, is a mercy. Yeah, because he was going to suffer. And she surveys the world below her, her arm bleeding. Again, from scratching. Really looking a mess this time. And she thinks about jumping, which made me think of Dolores' storyline with Peter, who jumps. And all these other hosts that are committing suicide that she doesn't think should be possible. And there's another clue to that we'll get to later in our closer look. But she returns to remove all the clues and burn all the former Caleb builds. It appears she's done with the experiment, but we do see... She builds one final, number 279. This one's going to be trouble for us. We're not going to like him at first. Soldier Caleb. But uh, maybe the man in black gets to him mentally, or I don't know. There has to be a payoff with this, because if he just becomes Terminator, and if they totally devalue the Caleb character from this point on, I'll be upset. Yeah, I think that's only going to be temporary. Yeah. Well, let's move on to our Frankie scenes. We'll start off with those in the past. A younger Frankie and Yawadi work with the team to extract the outlier, Jay. They know he remembers his brother, Daniel, but his parents don't. They apologize. There's nothing they can do for the ones that they have already found. He has to join them because he doesn't have much time. They start to make their way out. This is when everyone freezes and the drone hosts approach until that fly lands on that man. And I can't blame him. I think I would have done more than blink knowing Mm -hmm. everything they're doing. It calls the drone back on them, and the rest of the group makes a run for it. How menacing would that drone feel, just staring at you, getting real close in your face? It's terrible. You can't even look. You have to be afraid. Imagine trying not to blink or breathe or do anything. (laughs) How long is he going to look at me? God, and those things are big. Great scenes. I love this flashback. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm so glad they went back to Frankie and Yuwadi, because I was really wondering what happened to Yuwadi. Right afterwards. Right. They found their own group, which feels like something a Caleb family would do. My only question is, how does that Jay become the leader? Well, a lot of things happen because I didn't realize Hale had been so far along 
with these flied things. I mean, looks like not much time has passed by the age of Frankie here. Hale's already got all of this going. In the flashback, yeah. Right. Yuwadi and Frankie are already with this outlier group, which you'd think it would take time to... I think it's been like a couple years, three, four years. Frankie doesn't look three or four years older. She looks the exact same age. Well, the actress is And at age the same seven, actress. that's like... I think oh, you're yeah, supposed to believe jump. it's less than a year. Oh, they're already that developed, organized? Right. That the, hmm. the parasites have come out enough that there's outliers who are able to now band together. Is that the only thing they mean by outliers? I mean, we knew there was this whole group of quote-unquote outliers from the previous situation. Last season, yeah. Right, with Rehobo and people like Caleb who wouldn't fall in line with the instructions given to them. Now, we thought they were all in this pod system somewhere, but when they blew up Rehoboam last time... They must have died, too. Or did those people get released? I don't know. They are we ever going to go find out their... what happened to them? Are they the original outliers? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think these are new outliers. And I also believe you could not be an outlier and then eventually become one as well, because humans change. Well, we did find out that some of them eventually yeah. wake up, stop hearing the tones, right. are able to resist... I just want to go back to, I understand what you're saying. Frankie doesn't look that much older, but I, it's got to be at least two years later because it had to take time for her to make this park work. She had to get the data. Remember, she wasn't using hats anymore. Now she's using more advanced stuff. So that I takes know, time. That's, that's going to take a couple of years. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It, it's Curious. kind of like, how did we get there already? I feel like mm. I'm missing something that we're not supposed to think much about, but it's it's pretty organized that you already have an outlier group living out in the desert because once they get out of this situation, they go back to the safe house, but they say, we're only going to be here a couple of days before we go to our base. Mm-hmm. Uh, question really doesn't matter. We're asking a lot of questions that don't matter, but it's interesting to ask. When they say we're going to go back to our base in that the past is the base already Temperance Park. Well, that's what I mean. Did, are we missing a step here with time? Probably. That's going to be important. Mm, maybe. Anyhow, this is where they introduce Jay to the others, and Yuari tells Frankie she was brave. Her father would have been proud. Hell yeah, man. Separately, Frankie explains to Jay her father had to leave and help fight the war, but she continues to try to get him on the radio. She likes Jay. She always wanted a brother. But Jay, man, a real asshole here. He pointedly tells her, don't call me that. My real brother is gone. And I mean, I can understand being but, emotional, but he goes on to say, so is your father. There's no point leaving him these messages. A, you don't have to be such a jerk. You're not the only one going through something. Like, B, I understand you're in pain. We all are, buddy. There was a point. Yeah. This is going to wind up mattering. So you're wrong. It ends up happening in front of Jay, even though it's the host Jay. Yeah. It's still circle. And of course, it was him that got caught. I really don't like this guy. I mean, either. I've never liked him. That actor's awesome, though. You got to see him in other, th- other well, things. Well, I think they've been setting us up from the beginning yeah. to not be connected to him for this very oh, reason. Oh, for sure. In the present, Frankie approaches their base with Bernard, a deserted city that turns out to be Old Temperance Park. He says they both want the same thing, to rebuild Maeve. After all, she has all the answers in her head. But they need supplies to do that. He explains his familiarity with the park as it shared an architect with Westworld where he used to work, programming hosts. And she says, you gave the puppet strings long enough to strangle the world. Love that. He says this was never his intent, though. I didn't always grasp the complexity of the problem, 
but what I'm most concerned with now is the solution. He goes on to explain that being underground so long has corrupted Maeve's control unit and they need to replace it with another one. They place her in a tub and Bernard opens the host's head to extract the pearl. They can transfer the data and he reformats the processor to handle large amounts of information quickly. I like when we finally get answers to how this stuff works. You can transfer data from one pearl to another. The question is, if that information was gone or completely corrupted, we don't know if that information is available, which could be a big reason that Hale has wanted to get into that sublime. Yeah, I mean, we don't know if Maeve had Dropbox, OneDrive. (laughs) I think it's important info. Bernard also says the odds on this result are mixed. 60% of the time, Maeve will wake up amenable to their plan. The other 40%, (laughs) she wakes up on the wrong side of the bed. I'd love to know what that looks like. Uh, C wonders how he's coming up with these predictions. The questions I'm finally getting here on why hasn't she asked this stuff? Well, it turns out she is suspicious. Old habit comes from years of running probabilistic algorithms. The people who built the original park and hosts, they started first by building them in a simulation. A copy. Charlotte Hale did the same thing. Follow me. In the old parks, they used hats to collect the data. The tech inside of them was slow. Primitive by today's standards. To assume control of the world, Hale needed to understand minds at a much faster rate. So she upgraded to what? A ubiquitous system. There was one in practically every room in the park. Easily camouflaged because it played off the most base human impulse. Vanity. Through the looking glass. No. Take a closer look. I suppose these mirrors are better in a sense because you can't count on everyone wearing a hat, people keeping their hats on, but you would think having that constant stream of data for those who are, Mm. rather than whatever scan that they can run when you're just standing in front of that mirror. I mean, I don't know. I guess she must have found it to be a lot faster. And if she didn't get quite everything she needed, well, I don't really think she cares. Yeah, but the processes was faster too. So wearing a hat for five hours would equal a scan in the mirror for 20 seconds. I'm just wondering if that would give you more quality, even if not quantity. Plus, it's every mirror, so it's like whatever mirror you're in front of. If you're sitting at the bar, you know, old school bars, was a big mirror. So I think it, it was still almost a constant stream of it, just not as much. Is as it as much detail on each person, I'm wondering? Like, do you get a true representation of that person? But again, does she really care? No. I heard some people complaining, saying, why isn't he saying more? Why isn't he telling her more? Bernard? Yeah. But I think it's because, one... By doing that, he's dictating what happens, which means he's changing the timeline, which means it becomes less predictable now because he's changed it. But also, too, he doesn't know what's going to happen. He knows that it's a possibility of these 300 things or these... Like the man in black, the guy that can see the future. So this is how you see things. This is amazing. It's a gigantic pain in the ass, but it has its moments. This game doesn't happen till October. It's always October and November and March. 
So many futures, and they're all real. Just don't know which one will coalesce. Until then, they're all happening. Yep. So you don't really know. Sees all these things happening all at once, and I suppose a good amount of the time, she comes around to realize what she's going to realize here. No, was he kidding when he said that some of the times the traitor winds up being Stubbs? I don't think so. <laughs> Is this more like no. <laughs> hate on Stubbs the sidekick the humor? <laughs> It's not me. I love that. Oh. Also, Stubbs. Give Stubbs more lines. I know. That's what I mean. Well, also, Bernard knows that her friends will be there soon. They don't have much time. So he stores the transferring pearls inside the piano. I love that. It's just one of those meanings. That piano means a lot to us as viewers. We've seen that piano in the opening sequence since day one. And we've seen it in the Mariposa when it starts playing. We saw it often with Dr. Ford. That piano means a lot to us. And the fact that he's putting the pearl of someone that means a lot to us. And we know it's not just you and me who love Maeve. Whenever Maeve was on screen this season, she won the MVB. What better place than in the beloved piano? Of course. And he also works on healing her exterior body. With a lot of care. Yes. In fact, Frankie reflects that this reminds her of when her mother got sick and she had to do everything she could for her. She cared for her so well because she didn't want her to feel more pain than she had to. The way Bernard treats Maeve, he realizes she wasn't ordinary and he knew her. Knowing what we know now, while she's figuring that out, and she says that to Bernard, she's also putting together that she knows this woman. Because I think up until that point, she was so battered, Maeve, from being buried for so many years, that Frankie wasn't making a one-to-one comparison of her past. I think once she started getting put back together and he was she, and Bernard was fixing her, that's and she's just staring at him doing that. So he's, she's staring at Maeve's face. That's when she's starting to realize, that's the woman that took my dad away. I mean, that could be. I think it feels like she knew and she's been battling this entire time. She still is battling after this. Part of her hates these hosts. You know, in a moment, mm-hmm. she's going to be very disdainful thinking... They don't feel anything. She says you can't love or lose fully when it's just a choice. Can she trust them? She even mentions the last time she saw her father, he was with Maeve, and he never came back. But there's also a piece that believes this could be her only hope. I mean, she is pretty forceful about continuing to look for her and now rebuild her and not let anybody destroy her until she gets that information. Her dad seemed to care for her. Bernard seems to care for her. I think she's smart enough to know there might be more to this woman. Oh, for sure. So I think she's feeling pulled both ways. So the team returns with the outlier, Lindsay. But Jay says that they were on to them from the start. He thinks one of their team is spying for the enemy. C is really quick to shoot Bernard, saying he's the mole. Both he and Stubbs are hosts. And Bernard tries to explain it's complicated. They need to trust him. But she doesn't. I love how he's staying calm, but of course he's staying calm because he's seen this before. He's seen it many times. But this harkens back to when he was in the car with her and he says, "Uh, I don't know what you're going to do. You're very unpredictable with what you do. Mm -hmm. And when she makes a decision, she does it quick, just like that. Mm -hmm. Well, all these humans, seemingly, the host can't really get past that. Privately, he tells C she's killed him many times. It doesn't change the outcome. The betrayer is among her friends. Sometimes her girlfriend, Odina, sometimes Jay. Whoever it is, she'll have to kill that person before they get to her. So sweeping the perimeter, she has a talk with Jay, who thinks she's the only one he can trust. She confesses she met Maeve as a kid. If there's any chance her father's still alive, she would know. But he thinks keeping her alive is a bad idea. I need to know. I don't want you to get hurt, see? All this will do is rip open an old wound. 
She can't bring him back. We have to destroy her control unit before Hale uses her to take us out. And if your dad's out there, we'll find him another way. Together. You're my family, see? You're like a sister to me. I can't lose you. Well, she knows something's off because he would not call her his sister. They begin to fight until they hear Caleb's message playing over the radio. Jay winds up turning his gun on her, but Maeve comes up from behind and kills him. Okay, so many things. I loved the way they treated Frankie's storyline in this episode. The way they were able to let us experience what was going on in her head with, do I trust this Bernard character who's telling me that there's a mole in my group? And then we see her. She takes her girlfriend, puts her in a, in a closet just in case she is the mole. And how painful that is. When she's sitting and having a drink, we don't realize at the time that she already implanted the pearl. She's just waiting for the reboot, having a drink, and here in comes Jay. And then we have a yes moment. I love when you have those audible, like, hell yeah, when she gets up and she goes, he hit it downstairs, I'll show you. And then we go outside. Jay says something like, I'm sorry we have to do this. We just never know what's going to happen just to be safe. And she goes, that's right. Turns around and bam, nails him. I already was cheering for Frankie, and we barely know her. Hmm. And then the Maeve part? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, I was just excited to see Maeve back, honestly. I I, I, I am a, rooting for Frankie, but like I said, it, it's really my connection to Caleb. I don't feel yet as strongly for her. I mean, we got a little bit of her journey in this episode, but I really think that it's going to mean a lot the minute Maeve comes back. And it turns out she heard this message too. She knows that Caleb's alive and thinks, oh, of course it makes sense that you're his daughter. And this is, I think, really going to be a connection. This is why we have to get Caleb and not just monster Caleb back in some form. Uh, Hopefully. Because there's unresolved thematic stuff here between the three of them. Well, if the good guys, good hosts at the end of next season, find what Hale was doing and maybe can now do that to our hosts and make them human, but also hosts. Maybe Caleb can come back somehow, or I don't know. I'm just thinking and dreaming, hoping it'll well, be all good. It, he's, the consciousness is in there. Mm-hmm. So we think. I mean, it's just a matter of putting him in a different build and undoing the stuff that Hale has done. Yeah, but then you have the realities of life. He's going to be with his daughter. It's going to be great. And then his daughter's going to grow. And then his daughter's going to get old. And then his daughter's going to die. And he is still immortal. I mean, that's depressing. But could they all be uploaded the way it seems like Hale is trying to have them transcend? Could there be this place for the humans as well? They can't pass this fidelity seemingly yet in host bodies, but if they were to go to their version of the sublime, could everybody live happily there together? Okay. Well, this definitely ends on a more positive note with C not turning on Maeve saying... Part of me blamed you, but part of me knew if there was a chance my father was still alive, it was because of you. So we assume that we'll see that team up. Maeve moment where she says, well, then let's finish what we started. It's like, hell yeah. Once again, second time, want to give an Arsenio Hall hoot, hoot, hoot. That really just aged me right there. Uh-huh. Is the first time that that's <laughs> happened? <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and give this our official reverie rating on a scale of 1 to 10. What do you give episode 6? All right. So last week I gave my highest and I got to go a little bit higher. I gave 8.8 eight last week. I'm going to go 8.9. I'm really enjoying this season. Maybe I'm, I'm out of touch. Maybe I'm a HBO shill. 
but I love it. Well, I'm warming up to it. Like I said, I had problems with episodes one and two, but I was at an eight, nine for three back down episode four. But yeah, the last one was good. I'm going to go up to a nine reveries for this one because it was my favorite by far. Oh, wow. So you're higher than me. Well, if I was at an eight, nine for my previous, I have to go higher. I have to go higher. I'm liking watching Westworld and I'm liking podcasting about it. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of sacrifice. But in the end, we are having fun. Just wish we had a couple weeks off before House House of of the the Dragon. Dragon. But uh, we'll be there. We'll be there in the fire to bring you a podcast. Speaking of bring you a podcast, we mentioned this last week. Just a little reminder that our Stranger Things season four quote unquote movie review is still available to everyone for free over on Patreon. It'll be available until August 6th. It's just a way for Christina and myself to say thank you for listening to us over here on Westworld. And also, if you dig what you hear over there, join us over there and help, uh, and help this podcast grow and help us to continue to do this for years to come. It's on to our MVB, Most Valuable Being for the episode. Over on Twitter, at CKC Podcast, we asked you, who is your MVB for Season 4, Episode 6? This week, we gave you Caleb, Frankie, Bernard, and Hale. No, we did not put Maeve in there. We wanted to, but we couldn't. I think she'll be there next time. Yeah, definitely will be. Unless they just do a Dolores. I don't think, because we're going to be at episode seven of nine. Yeah. I don't think we can do that. As you know, the poll hasn't closed yet. We're recording on a Monday. There's two days left. But as of now, we have Hale coming in last place at 5.3%. Thank God. I hate that woman. It hasn't changed at all yet. Coming in at third with 10.5% is Bernard. Oh, you know why? Because (laughs) even though he's moving things along and he's doing a lot, he's not saying a lot. And people are getting frustrated with this I see everything but can't do everything role, but can't do anything role. I enjoy it. But, But that's the truth. He needed to let Frankie come to the decision herself. If he didn't, he would never have her on her side. Uh, Yeah, and I can see where that lack of action might be frustrating, but I really think it's so nice to have him back and that all is going to have a lot of weight by the end of this season. Yeah, and it's a great introduction. I know we've been introduced to her before, but this is a true introduction to Frankie. This is the most we've seen of her. And if she's going to be a bigger deal next season, I think they needed to do this. And Bernard's going to die. Well, and people keep likening Hale to Ford from season one, which I don't see at all. I think that Bernard Bernard. feels to me like the new puppet master who sees all and knows all but needs to let it play out to its logical conclusion. Yeah, Hale is nothing like Ford. Please. (laughs) And in second place so far with 26.3% is Frankie. She kicked ass. She did a lot. I can see why she got a lot of the votes. But of course, the winner at number one with 57.9% right now is Caleb. And Christina, I'm going to jump right into it. I am for Caleb. Uh, Probably more specifically, I'm for Aaron Paul in this episode. Yeah, agreed. Love the acting. I loved the writing around this character. Let's have a bunch of them in pain. Um, Okay, but what's your favorite model, Caleb? uh, If not this version. Not the, So not, we can't include the one that made it to the roof? Right, of course. He's clearly the best. It's got to be the one that sacrifices himself, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Although Mr. Cryptic... Yeah, you could just say... I have riddles. Yeah. <laughs> He's kind of interesting. I mean, need I even say that Caleb is also my winner? Oh, okay. I love so him all the time. And this kind of makes every episode different for both of us, except... 
I have two Maves and you have two Men in Blacks. Oh, wow. So, you know, when we come to the end on who's got more MVBs, clearly for the poll, it's Maeve sweeping yeah. it. But let's see what our Clatchers had to say. Not that many write-ins this week. Maybe everyone's catching up. Melly wrote, feeling very lukewarm with this episode. Oh. Who oh, no. And didn't quite know who to vote for. Really? Ended up choosing Frankie because she was smart enough to spot the correct mole and keep faith. Well, yes, absolutely. Oh, I can't and, believe it's not a clear Caleb win, though. And I am a Frankie fan from this point on. It did help. Like I said earlier, Caleb kind of like... Is that connection, presenting right? Presenting her to us and, and making us love her because of his love for her. I but mean, you're I, lukewarm about the episode. That sucks. And I suppose if you're not an Aaron Paul fan, maybe this is just not that exciting. Indel says, I voted for Frankie only because of where she put Maeve's pearl. Because Maeve wasn't an option. <laughs> so if we had Maeve on there, she would have voted for Maeve. So she was, yeah, absolutely. So Frankie was the one to finally put the pearl into Maeve's head. Okay. So I feel like it, that was Bernard doing all the grunt work there, though. Oh, sure. But if it wasn't for her, she could have just left it in the piano or told Jay where it was and deleted it. I think in that event, though, I would go with Bernard. I think Bernard's not getting enough love here, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Chris said... Caleb doing the, quote, edge of tomorrow, unquote, work, <laughs> and getting that one last jab at Hale. It's hard not to pick him. I can't wait to see how number 279 gets under her skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, well, yeah, it's going to take a second, but yeah. needle drop that would be oh. if they had under my skin playing next episode. Oh. Ethan says, would have voted Frankie, but she let the guy monologue a bit too long at gunpoint. My vote's for Caleb. Uh, yeah. That's true. You should... You should have hit him with the bottle and just shot him. Never let them go on that long. But then you wouldn't have had that epic Maeve moment. You're so right, of we course. It. And last week, we had some comments off of our actual podcast. Chris wrote in and said, One of the things I love best about Westworld are the multi-level conversations. Talking of one thing while saying another or using certain keywords. A little heavy-handed example of this would be when, quote, this world, unquote, is said by a character. It immediately clues you in that this person is most likely aware that other worlds and possibilities exist. It reminds me that anything can happen. Maybe if you don't like the future, you can create another. Have you found any other keywords or phrases as loaded as this one? Uh, I think Bernard, it's not as loaded, but I think when Bernard states simulation and how he was able, him and everyone at Delos was able to learn things, they use simulations. I think that's a keyword that we'll see again. Well, this is going to come up in my summary showdown, but the only way out is death. Dying is just the beginning. One Caleb telling himself in another version that message. Mm. I mean, what is he trying to say here? You are ultimately going to die in this body, but don't worry. That's just the start. We're going to keep coming back. Mm. I mean, I think these interactions with himself are going to mean a lot later. It's going to be one of those loaded conversations. And to think he was doing it all... Amongst different builds is pretty freaking incredible. I also wanted to give a shout out, though, to all of the wonderful reviews that people have been leaving on our Westworld channel. We asked for that a couple of episodes ago, and you guys delivered as per usual. You are amazing. Big thanks to No Clever Nicknames, Former Weather Max user, and especially Bobby B. Weho. The hosts sound like my friends sitting around talking about the show. Alas, if only my friends watched Westworld. Uh. So I'm sorry to hear that, but glad that we could be your digital water cooler. And if you are also listening and enjoying what you hear, 
please follow their lead and leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're listening on. It certainly helps us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for voting (laughs) on the poll each weekend. Make sure. Thank you guys for everything. Make sure you continue all the way to the end of the season because we are going to have a poll for who does better on the Summary Showdown. That's right. Okay. This might be my toughest of the entire season. I got, this is where your brother used to play. Your parents don't remember him, but you do. And wake up. Oh, not a good week for you. That is a horrible week. And you have a plethora, just a wealth of options to choose from. Yeah, but here's the deal. For House of the Dragon, we're going to switch. Oh, that's good. So I'll do the first and last. I like that. And then you'll do the chaos. Is a ladder. Oh, they better do as well as they did with oh, T.O.T. I hope so. if Imagine that, if dude, we just get really shitty sucks? lines. What if this show sucks so bad? I mean, listen, it's a possibility, but please follow us there because we're going to have a blast. We have to see how this turns out, right, for the first prequel. All right, Jason, what are some of your choices? All right, I have a couple here. One that I already pointed out, I really love this one from Frankie. You gave the puppet strings long enough to strangle the world. God, that's deep on so many levels. And the next one from Hale, unlike yours, my kind is perfect. Perfectly immortal, perfectly rational, and yet they're making irrational choices. So they're not perfect, Hale. Neither are you, (laughs) Bernard. I didn't always grasp the complexity of the problem, but what I'm most concerned with is the solution. Yeah, that's good. Pure scientist just like the human Bernard. Caleb, the only way out is death. Dying is just the beginning. That's my favorite. Frankie, you can't love or lose fully when it's just a choice. Mm-hmm. And Caleb, the kind of person that can't be beat is the kind that can't give up. Mm, his advice to Frankie. That's a tough pick. Yeah. And then I have one more Caleb. This one's not going to win, but am I now? Because that fucked with me. Mm. So I was like, wait, is he living in the in the... I still don't know what's happening there, but that's a great line. All right, I have a problem. I can narrow it down to two. You gave the puppet strings long enough to strangle the world. And the only way out is death. Dying is just the beginning. Oh, shit. Caleb, that one wins. The only way out is death. Dying is just the beginning. It's it's quite memorable. It is, but I love the puppet one, too. We're down to our last two segments. The first is our closer look. We mentioned that the caption tagline for the episode is to thine own selves be true, a play on Hamlet's to thine own self be true, a line from Act 1, Scene 3. What you might not know is the background on this. It's spoken by King Claudius's chief minister, Polonius, as part of a speech he's giving to his son Laertes, offering his blessing and advice. The rest of it goes, and it must follow as the night the day, thou canst not then be false to any man. I mean, there's a lot in between, obviously, but uh, there's a lot of issues with this. The first, that Polonius is a, quote, bore, and all of the wonderful advice is probably not even being heard by his children, as they know how he goes on and on about everything. In addition to this, he is an unpleasant piece of work. Immediately after making this speech, he sends someone to Paris to spy on Laertes, as he enjoys his student life. He also spies on his daughter, sets her up for entrapment, interferes with her romantic life, and ultimately contributes to her suicide. Mm. Sounds like Shakespeare. Sounds like Shakespeare, but also we've been talking about that a lot with the hosts and what Hale is going through currently. 
And also, coming from Polonius, this advice to be true to yourself is pompous, hypocritical, and empty, much like the shit that Hale's flinging around this episode. Like, we're going to transcend. We're much greater beings. She can't even get past her own stuff. She's being emotional, taking her vengeance out on Caleb 279 times. Christina, it's amazing how you're able to find these connections <laughs> because that those both do make so much sense. For me, the only thing I'm thinking about is Shakespeare was brilliant, but I would hate to be his friend. Be like, Saturday night, we want to get together. Hey, Shakespeare, let's get together. Let's go out and drink. It's been a long week. You go out and drink with him, and then by the end of the night, you're like, I hate my life. I think we're all doomed. Uh, love is fake, and uh, we should all kill ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how it would feel. But I'm also pretty sure these are the themes that these showrunners are after. So, yeah, I would say Shakespeare, Hamlet, it's quite fitting. Absolutely. Well, lastly, we have our spoiler section. So if you are afraid of that, we will see you next time when we review episode seven, the penultimate of our season. For those of you still here, we know seven will be titled metanoia. Ooh. An ancient Greek word meaning changing one's mind. Now, this refers to two different things in history. One is the psychological definition, the process of experiencing a psychotic breakdown and subsequent positive psychological rebuilding or healing. You must break down fully to be rebuilt. Okay. Sounds familiar. So again, is this a Caleb analogy? No, I'm thinking it's too early for the, uh, I'm just going to call him Master Caleb that Hale just made. I think it's the Man in Black. Man in Black. We saw that Maeve has been having her body completely break down in the desert all this time. But psychologically, we might be seeing Hale having a breakdown. Ooh, okay. Okay. I mean, that mm. scratching does seem to be getting worse and worse. Her emotionality seems to be spiraling a bit. Oh, yeah. I think something's about to happen with her. She needs to see a therapist. That's Are you available? Quite true. I don't she think there's therapists in this world. No. It's a real problem. Um, the other definition is theological. And that's probably more of the one the showrunners are looking at. A conversion or reformation or repentance. Changing one's way of life as a result of a conversion. Uh, I think that's got to be this transcendence, whatever we're talking okay. about. Um, reforming, coming to a higher state, evolving, because we do see some of those lines in the preview for next episode. Hale says, this may come as a shock to some of you, but it's the last day for our species. Ready or not, time to evolve. So I don't know. It feels like she's got something big planned. Like you're all going to be dumped off the side of the cliff into a sublime type big uh, something similar, yeah, but put into that machine that we saw already. And you pointed out in the trailer preview that Hale has a machine just like the one we saw when she was talking to the Man in Black last episode, but it's different. It's taller. It looks more regal or more menacing. Statuesque, Statuesque yes. I think it looks like a statue. Um, and she maybe she's going to put her pearl in there or have a drone do it. Um, and then... Wouldn't that be hilarious if after all and this, they, they're in an 8-bit world, and it's like Mario Brothers, and she's oh, like, geez. oh, shit, we fucked up. Like, and then what? Because the, we see that you have to have somebody out here guarding this, and this world at least needs to function enough that that storage for your data is safe. Like, is that the whole point of these drone hosts? Good question. To stay here and be the guardians, protectors of that? Oh. I, I don't know. There's, there's definitely got to be way more to this 
part B of her plan. And I think we are absolutely going to see that here. We also see Bernard saying he sees a path. So whatever's going to happen throughout all of this, he still sees a way that this could be saved. So presumably he has also gotten glimpses of Hale's plan and what she's planning to do here. Yeah. Well, Jason, any final thoughts on this episode? No, I think we covered a lot of it. I mean, we have so many more ideas, ideologies, but we got to keep this podcast shorter than the show. Yeah, we can try anyway. Well, that was episode six. Two more to go. Oh, my goodness. We're at the last final stretch. Uh, reminder, we just released the Stranger Things pod, and we have the new Homage to Ted Lasso t-shirt on sale. Go to coffeeclashcrew.com, click on gear. You can check out everything we have there. And tell your friends about us. We always ask for that. We make the outlier army bigger. Till next time, this round's on me. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CKC Podcast. And if you'd like to support Jason and Christina and would love even more content, including bonus casts and movie reviews, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash CKC Podcast. This round is on me. (laughs) 